The following program contains views that are not those of WVTC, iNetworks Communications, their subsidiaries, affiliates, or financial supporters. Welcome to the Declaring War segment by the RSVP Show, where we get to the root of things and apply the Word of God to every aspect of our lives. Worship, application, and read is how we declare war upon the enemy and bring the light of God and His love for us into every atmosphere. Join your host, author, and singer-songwriter, April D. Metzler, as she and a few special guests dive deep into Scripture and demonstrate the Bible in action through their testimony. April is passionate about understanding the heart behind every subject and helping you pursue a relationship with God for a victorious life every day. Are you ready for real, candid, and vulnerable conversations about God, His Word, and His love for you? Grab your Bible, pen, and study pad, and let's get it. Hello, 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 and welcome to another Declaring War segment for the RSVP show. I am your host, April D. Metzler, and I'm coming to you live from Oklahoma. So thank you so much for tuning into this broadcast hosted over on WVTC Radio. You guys are awesome. I appreciate it. Um, this is the fantastic Gospel Network family that is all about the kingdom of God. I encourage you to get connected with them over at wbtcradio.com and on their other partner stations as well. Um, you can find all of that information online, obviously, and uh, connect with them through all different social platforms. So I am so excited to be here with you guys. And I am we are diving into a new series called uh first timothy so if you guys haven't seen or caught any of these declaring war segments and you are new to this broadcast make sure that you go back and check those out we've already covered the um, letter to the church at Colossia, which is known as the book of colossians in scripture and of course we have dove into the one for the book of galatians as well and so if you guys can um, tune into those restreams. You can find those on the website for WBTC Radio, but you can also find them over on my YouTube channel and on all of my social platforms that I stream to here for you guys. So wherever you're tuning into, thank you so much. So we're going to dive into some prayer real quick so that we can bless this broadcast and cover it and invite Holy Spirit in to lead us and guide us through these truths. But for right now, I just want you to take a breath in and out. And breathe real quick. Just relax. I don't know what's going on in your day, but we just got to clear all that out, right? And just say, okay, I'm going to be hearing the word of God right now. I'm going to take this moment and hear his word. What does he have to say to me today through the words that are being read over these airwaves? That's what we want, right? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your peace that surpasses all understanding Thank you that it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for covering us with your grace and mercy, God. Thank you for your forgiveness and your grace that just, just covers everything. It, it is enough. It is sufficient. No matter what's going on in these days, God, we just thank you and praise you 
for all that you provide for us. It's not just the, the things, the needs, the, the natural needs. It's the spiritual needs. It's the mental needs. It's the emotional needs. It's the full fullness of God that you provide, God. We just love you so much, and we thank you for the abundance of this great joy. We, we don't even know how, but we do consider it all joy, God. We don't even know how, but we have the strength that you provide through the joy of the Lord. And we just thank you for all of that, Father. We praise your name because in you, we have all that we need. In you, we have all that we want and desire, God. We just know that, that the things that are set before us are, are of good and for our good because we we follow you we seek after you diligently with our whole hearts and so we just submit this the cares and worries all of us just submit the cares and worries at your at the the foot of your throne of grace your throne of mercy so that they can be traded out we don't want this stuff anymore we don't want any nonsense we don't want any drama we don't want any struggling that that has to do in the flesh, Lord, we just want you. We just want what you have for us in this moment. And so we ask for a fresh revelation to the knowledge of you, God. We ask for deeper spiritual wisdom to who you are and who we are in you, God. We ask for that overflow of your love to be upon us as we we let this word of God minister to our hearts and however you see fit to to teach us, lead us and guide us by the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and abides with us always. We just thank you so much for never leaving us. We thank you for always being faithful, Father. And we thank you for all of it in abundance. You just you don't withhold. You just are a rewarder of those who seek you diligently. And that's what we do, God. We just desire to seek you. Help us to to pour in that time investment in the relationship that we have with you, prompt our hearts, convict our hearts to align with you properly, align with your word and fullness. God, help us to know what it looks like to abide in you always, God, always, always. We don't want to take a step off your path, Father. So help us with that. Strengthen us with that. Send divine connections across our path that can encourage us and pour into us and sharpen us and help us in our time of need with prayer intercession and prayer agreement, prayer by faith that's offered up so that those things are established so that we do see the goodness of, of you, Father, in the land of the living here as we walk this earth in what you have called us to do. So um, thank you so much, Father. Thank you. We praise your name. It's in the name of Jesus we ask these things, knowing that when we ask these things in the name of Jesus, that it is done unto us, right? That's right. All right, you guys. So First um, Timothy, here we go. We are in, of course, chapter one. We can't be jumping to and fro all, all sorts of kinds of ways. You know, God's got to order, right? So we're starting at the beginning and we're going all the way through the letter, the very first letter. That was written to Timothy. So, of course, um, you know, sometimes I do a little bit of background on this. Um, Timothy, if you don't know who Timothy was, he was um, connected to Paul since probably like late teen ages, maybe early 20s, something like that. Then, you know, of course, everybody doesn't have a pinpoint of exact time references in some of these things because I wasn't there. Were you? No, but we do know that he had a grandmother and a mother there that poured into him all sorts of kinds of 
um, wisdom and training, you know, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from him. That was Timothy's story. And so he um, was connected at the hip with Paul as soon as they met, you know, and he, he just came alongside of him and he was there through a lot of different trials as Paul was going through his ministry um, and stepping into the roles that he was called to do. Timothy was right alongside of him and getting poured into also, not just a co-laborer, but he considered, Paul considered Timothy uh, a son in the faith. And that's, that's a huge thing, you know, like you're just taking on the responsibility of fatherhood, basically, um, to pour into a younger brother in Christ. And so there's a lot of responsibility um, and mentoring and discipling that goes into that type of a statement, that type of a relationship that you establish with someone. So this is a really good, um, really good teaching on both sides for the mentor, the one that is pouring into the younger generation, right? As well as the one that's the mentee, the one that's getting poured into. And so they're considered um, first Timothy, second Timothy and third Timothy or third Timothy, Titus, sorry, first, second Timothy and Titus are the pastoral epistles. And, um, they are the ones that you would look to if you were looking at, um, guidance for deacons, overseers, pastors, leaders of any church body, and they are very sharpening, very strengthening. And so that's what we're going to be getting into. Of course, with that comes probably some admonishment and correction. I might be saying, sitting here sharing some encouragement to do some life pivots or adjustments, no matter, you know, what you got going on, but that's okay because that's needed. You know, um, a father doesn't withhold the discipline, does he? You know, even the ones that are here on earth, you know, we respected them. They gave us discipline, it says in scripture, um, and they loved us. And how much more, you know, um, of course, their love obviously can't be likened to the father's love. And God loves us in such a way that that he doesn't withhold that discipline for proper alignment. And so, yeah, it might not not be nice and fluffy and not might not feel good, but that's okay because it's for our good and it's for our correction to stay on course in full alignment in that grafted in state of existence in the true vine, right? And so here we go in first Timothy chapter one. This is the greeting, of course, and if you have tuned into my broadcast, you know that there's just so much meat in just the greeting alone, but um, I really do love the uh, way that there's honor that echoes through the greetings and then um, the final comments of every letter that's written in these um, epistles. So he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our Savior and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you upon my departure for Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which gives rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. 
But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Now we're going to pause there because it, it actually does a little bit of a, a topic shift after that. So we have read verse 1 through 11 here in 1 Timothy. And we are diving into what this looks like a little bit in action. So, of course, Paul gives a great example here in whatever it is that we are addressing in the body of Christ. And this is not, of course, to... This is a, a, a direct statement here to Timothy, who is a leader at a church body. And then, of course, he is pouring into him how to address, how to handle, how to deal with those that are in church. And so this is very specific of an audience to those who have said, yes, I am a Christian. Yes, I am going to church. Yes, these are the things that I've committed my life to. Right. And so he is. Um, he is supposed to, Timothy's supposed to lead them and lead them well and lead them in what is written in the scriptures. And that's his responsibility that Paul is given to him as he leaves to a different town. And so what does that look like to leave someone in authority during your absence or, or after you depart and make sure that they are equipped trained and ready for the things that they're going to have to address, let alone already addressing what was already going on at the church of Ephesus, which we find um, in the book of Ephesians. And we haven't delved into that on one of these broadcasts in particular, but I have delved into them on other broadcasts and they are, they are some, some deep swimming that needs to be done for sure. So, um, but what does it look like to do that? Like if you have a church and you are going elsewhere and you entrust someone to um, hold the position, hold the fort down while you're gone, say you're gone for four to six weeks. You know, what does it look like to properly equip them prior to your departure? Or are you just going to let them, you know, sink or swim, toss them, you know, to the potential of wolves, basically? Well, it's the same thing, though, um, that same preparation and that same discipleship and the same mentoring and pouring into the church body is also needed. And Paul not only equips Timothy in these letters that he writes to him, but he also enables Timothy to equip the body. So in, in a, a lot of churches today, and we can look at this just, just for a moment, because I don't like harping on too many things about this kind of stuff, but there is a, a big piece of the puzzle um, in a successful 
ministering to a body that that I don't see in action very often, um, but it is echoed through scriptures. And one of those things is is mentorship and discipling. Um, a lot of Christians can find out that, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But what in the world does that look like in action? You know, how do I apply this big giant book to my life? Um, how do I walk this out? And there's a lot of people that are that have churches that are maybe, you know, under 200 people. And everybody that is seasoned enough, not necessarily meeting the criteria of being put in a proper position, but they've just been there long enough or they're related to someone or they, you know, they're the only one that raised a hand. So that's what we're going to put them in that position for. And we find that that is not beneficial to the body It in and of itself. It actually hurts it. It's, it, it's better, much better to not step into a position than to um, unintentionally lead people astray because you're not gifted in that department or you don't know, you know, what it is that you're supposed to be doing or they're missing out on a blessing. And if you hold that position in a church, and this is just a hypothetical church, then you are literally blocking. You are being a stumbling block for your brothers and sisters in Christ inadvertently sometimes. It's not as if those people are are operating in those positions maliciously, but it's just because of the the ministry structure, the traditionalism that's built and established, and those those religious things that sit there and say we have to have a children's church, we have to have you know this, we have to have that in place, and then the people that are gifted aren't in your body, and so. <laughs> then it just, it just all falls apart. Not, not only that, but the people that go and operate, you know, and participate in those things that you build out in the church end up not being blessed because you're not flowing with the Holy Spirit. You're in the wrong position. You're not anointed for that. And that shouldn't be something that you hold on to out of responsibility to, or duty or sense of obligation or, or what have you. No, I mean, that's what leads to burnout. That's what leads to um, disgruntled employees. You know, it, it's um, not something to encourage by any way, shape or form. And, and we're, we're, we're supposed to, as leaders, be prayerful and consider the position, not what looks good on a resume, but by the spirit discern the giftings, we are to identify those and then put people in the right position so that they can flow in unity of the spirit and maintain that bond of peace in the body. And then everyone is encouraged. Everyone is edified and the flow is not blocked and Holy Spirit is not grieved. And so Timothy here is getting um, getting uh, put into position properly. And he's also... Um, making sure Paul is making sure that that he knows that he needs to go ahead and, and take care of the strange doctrines that were being taught at the church of Ephesus. And so we need to make sure that he's being very blunt. He said, make sure not to pay attention 
to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. What does this look like today? Well, let's see. You know, I I don't know. There's there's controversy about the genealogies that were being argued about. I get that. Um, they don't have that specified. But let's just look at the speculative part of it. The word of God is in here. It says it, right? We can go back to the Greek. We can go back to the Hebrew. If there is mm, arguments over word usage, right? How often have you had a conversation that ended up being like this big miscommunication and big misunderstanding just because someone used the wrong word or turn of phrase, right? And that's not even talking about biblical controversies where people are arguing over this turn of phrase or that turn of phrase and splitting entire churches to go, oh, well, you don't, you don't think that you don't agree with that. I'm going to go over here and we're not going to be together anymore. And I'm going to start my whole other denomination and it's going to be, you know, da, 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 church. Okay. But that all that split started and we can go back through history and look at that by mere potential speculation. Like what's the heart of the matter? How are we maintaining the unity of the spirit in the body of Christ? And why are we neglecting parts of our body as a whole? And, and how can we stop doing that? Because we know that that's not the way that God lines it out in scriptures. And so Timothy is basically, he's going to have to get people into alignment which is going to require correction and say, okay, this is false teaching. These doctrines aren't anywhere in, in what we've been taught, right? That this is something left field. You're off a little bit. Let's get back into alignment. And then he's going to have to sit here and knock out these conversations and these arguments and these speculations of, of picking apart things basically. And, these splits of division that are causing unnecessary drama in the body and bring them together and unify them and put a stop to that because that is his job. That is his role. That is his authority to do so. He's being put into position to do so. And if he allows it, then he's going against what the instructions were set before him by his, his successor. Right. And so what does it look like? He even says, Paul says, it's not, or, the point is to further the administration, right? To further the administration of God, which is by faith. If we get into the weeds when we're teaching and we get off of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we are hindering forward movement of the gospel in that particular um, audience that we are are teaching or, or preaching or sharing the gospel with. And we are also creating stumbling blocks for our brothers and sisters in Christ in the body of God. And that, and that is not what we are called to do um, in, in action. You know, we, we need to just keep, keep quiet. Like if that is something that is going to cause our brother and sister in Christ to stumble, then you need to be slow to speak quick to listen and slow to become angry, right? And that that is a responsibility, even higher level of responsibility, even higher weight 
of um, expectations of behavior that honor God to the leadership, anyone that holds a leadership role in the body of, of Christ. And so we find that, that that entails that we are setting the bar. Is the bar low or is it in an honorable way that honors God? You know, is it is it going back to, you know, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6? You know, it's like, you, know, you trust in the Lord your God, right? Um, with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You know, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Trusting God with all your heart entails that you trust not the person that you're having this this friction with, but you trust that Holy Spirit has everything taken care of. You know, the Holy Spirit that is within you helps you to operate in self-control and patience and peace and love and gentleness and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, right? The whole shebang, the even joy in that moment and love, love. And um, that Holy Spirit within them, whether you agree with them in the natural or not about some silly speculation that you guys are having a disagreement about, the Holy Spirit still dwells with them in within them as well. And so you trust that Holy Spirit will convict them or convict you. You may think that you're right, but your way could lead to death just as well as their way could if you're not careful. And so that is a, an admonishment in and of itself to leaders when Paul's sitting here writing this, be careful, be careful, be mindful of your choices of behavior, the way that you handle things, the way that you speak to people, the way that you lead them. Your leadership will determine if they go astray or not. Not only that, but you're going to have to get to the point where you're pouring into them, right? You're equipping them to not do it amongst themselves either. This dissension that we see in society, um, the things that you see that literally give what it says, quote unquote, Christians a bad name, where you have people arguing on social media about the littlest of things. You've got Christians attacking other Christians. You, you've got you've got Christians attacking people that aren't believers. You've got people that are claiming to be Christian, cussing out other people on social platforms just because they don't agree with them. And that is not right. It's not okay. And it's definitely not anything that exemplifies God's love. And if you think it does, you are in the wrong and you are in error. And I will pray that Holy Spirit convicts you of that truth because that is not anything to do with God. It just isn't. When you are demeaning people, belittling people, you are you are just degrading them as a person, calling them stupid or calling them names. That's not showing anyone love at all whatsoever. And it's not honoring God in your ways. If anything, it's grieving the Holy Spirit that is in you. It says, put away coarse language, coarse jesting, uh, unclean lips. You're not supposed to operate in those. And the, who can, the fire that your tongue is like a consuming fire. It like, it literally will destroy things 
if you allow it, but you have to be yielded to the Holy Spirit so that that self-control is maintained. If you don't yield and you want to operate in your flesh and argue and cause drama and cause chaos and destroy other people, speaking death unto them instead of life with the words that you use, even in writing form, if you choose that, then you're not walking by the Spirit and you're not walking in the truth that is before you in this Word of God. And if you don't know enough word to know what I'm talking about, then don't call yourself a Christian in public while you're cussing out someone else. That's not okay. And leaders, are those your church members that are doing that? Pastors, is that your second cousin twice removed that is sitting in the second row of the pew that is doing that? If it is, what are you doing? to teach them and disciple them and mentor them and train them in the way that they should go so that they will not depart from that way when they grow up, right? Because right now they're not, they're not operating in the love of God. And that is our responsibility as pastors, as teachers, as leaders, as those who pour into others to disciple and mentor them in that faith and to further the kingdom of God as we pour into them. And so the goal, it says in five, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. I encourage you, if you are feeling convicted in this moment of what I'm bringing up, especially in the, the times and seasons that we are in, that we see this division, that we see this divisiveness, and that we see this, this um, attacking people, choice of behavior among our brothers and sisters that are young in the faith. What does it look like? to make sure that our instruction literally grows them into the love that they are supposed to operate in from a pure heart that literally grows them into saying, thinking, and doing in a good conscience that literally grows them into the sincere faith. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Let that be upon the lips of those you teach, of those you disciple, of those you mentor, right? And so we come into this. We cannot, we cannot sit here and understand that, you know, we've got to understand the weight of responsibility. When you bring someone to salvation where you, you have that conversation and you, you know, you tell them about Jesus Christ and, and pray the prayer, you know, like, and you're walking that with them and, and they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You cannot abandon them. And if you don't have something in your church in place that equips, that trains, that disciples, that mentors, then reach out to other churches and get with building unity of the kingdom of God and collaborating with them to share resources and build up that body because you are responsible for that body. That is your responsibility. And if you don't have the means necessary, the time necessary to do so, find someone that does because you will have to answer for those 
hearts for those lives that you were entrusted with as leaders of the church. You just will. You stepped into it. That was your responsibility. You gave God your yes. You have to do what you have to do and set pride down at the door and knock on the doors of other denominations and become unified in whole fullness. That was intended to be from the beginning. We weren't supposed to be divided and we weren't supposed to be yakking about little things and breaking apart the body of Christ. And that in and of itself neglects the fellowship. And you're missing out on spiritual giftings that should be in your church in place in proper position because you're more prone to argue about whether or not you're supposed to dance or not. Whether or not you're supposed to wear white after Labor Day. I don't know. You know, whatever it is that everybody's arguing about that causes division. It's not about that. It's about what's the root? What's the foundation? We need to refocus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's it. Not all of these arguments. And so that's what this was being talked about at the, the early church. Paul's sitting here telling Timothy, you know, it's not something new. There's nothing new under the sun. Dissension, false teachers, uh, splits, arguments, all of that stuff has been going on. Since day one, it's need to be addressed. What makes you think that it it doesn't need to be addressed now? And what's holding us back from addressing it? You know, what? why are we not seeking above everything to be peacemakers? Okay. So it says, for some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. It's, it's like one of my, um, one of my teachers had said something about the fact that, you know, you don't need to, to fill in the blanks. There's no um, reason to operate in gap theory philosophy like if it's not written in the word of god then yeah okay that's interesting that's intriguing just like any other book out there that's written by an author that's not in the bible they're intriguing it's nice to read a book here and there you know and definitely nice to read commentaries and things and different people's thoughts and their interpretation as holy spirit has prompted them with their their um their enlightenment and revelation that they have gotten over the years through their walk. Yes, that's great. Glean wisdom, sound counsel. But when it comes to the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, stick to the basics. Don't fill in any gaps that, that aren't written. It's like Jesus, when he was being tempted, was it was, it is written. It is written. It is written. Let's not lead others astray. Let's not create stumbling blocks through arguments. And let's be mindful of the fact that that we are entrusted with one another, you know, like it says, love others as you love yourself. What does that look like? Well, we can't even begin to do that if we don't understand the love of God that is in Christ Jesus and that, and we haven't done our due diligence as leaders to pour in and disciple and mentor all of our congregation or group or people that listen to our broadcast or all that jazz, um, that, that we haven't done that part. We have to establish the foundation. The foundation has to be built on Jesus Christ and all of the rest of this stuff. It's God first and the rest of the stuff will fall into place like it's supposed to. 
the love of God is, is going to pour in and flow through, heal, save, align, abide, and draw up higher and to the point where you don't have to be focused on the circumstances around you. You can set your eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of the faith. And that sincere faith becomes something that it's not about me. It's about how I impact the world and my words. Yes, they are life and death. That's it. You know, like it, it goes back to that. And then we're more those people that we have invested that time to build up, equip, edify, strengthen, confirm, establish, train, disciple, mentor, pour into that they become the, the branches and the branches that are grafted into a true vine. And then those branches expand out and bear more fruit on their own. And then you showed them how to do what you just did. You've enabled them and equipped them. They can go forth and do the same. And they're not sitting there bringing someone to salvation and then abandoning them. They're not sitting there deserting them on the high side of the highway, you know, and, and just leaving them to the wolves to have false teachers come in and tear them to shreds. And then they fall away from the faith and you're wondering why that is, you know, you take that, that, um, Oh, I'm I'm wound up right now. You take that um, the seeds scripture, you know the the parable of the sower, and they're sitting there throwing seeds everywhere, and that's all they do. They just okay, you go you go do what you do. You know it's that's not it's not what that is, it, and it definitely the sower is not talking about a pastor of a church. You don't just throw seeds and hope that one falls somewhere where it's supposed to and grows. No, you cultivate, you're responsible for cultivating the soil. You're responsible for making sure that the soil that is in your church is good and it's nourished and it's watered. And not only that, but you've got fertilizer that you're pouring into that soil. You're making sure to test the soil to make sure that what is needed in the soil is put in there. If it is missing nutrients, guess whose responsibility it is to add those nutrients. You have to be diligent and make sure to maintain a, a sober state of mind and stay on alert so that when that roaring lion that comes to, to destroy and devour and killing and stealing and all of that jazz comes in and he's messing with your flock that you are on guard. You are staying on that watchtower and you are making sure that the protection and covering is in place for your church body. And they are equipped and trained in order to, to defend and stand firm their own ground. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Okay. I'm moving on because I'm getting, I'm going on about this. And I knew that I was going to get caught up on this because it's so important and it, it needs to be said, um, whether or not, whether or not you, it ruffles your feathers or not, it needs to be said. Um, and you know, sometimes the medicine that we have, you know, a spoonful of medicine or a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, but I ain't, I ain't sugarcoating nothing right now. Neither is Paul. He said that it just needs to, it needs to be this way. This is how it needs to be. I'm sending you here because I trust that you can handle the responsibilities that are set before you. Here's what you're dealing with. And this is how you address it. And so we're moving on. And it says, um, of course, that 
you know, that's what the law is for. This is what order is for. This is what structure is for. And so that it brings to light the things that are going on so that we can address them and correct them and realign them into the way in which they should go, which is Jesus through the door of Jesus. No one comes to the father, but through him, he is the way, the truth and the life. Right. And so that is, that is the connection piece. That is the reconciliation piece. And it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. So make sure that we have that in our, in our daily pour-ins to our body. And, and on top of everything else, are we encouraging people beyond the church traditions of Wednesday and Sunday, some are Wednesday, Saturday and Sunday, but are we encouraging them as, um, as leaders to, it's an, it's a, it's an everyday thing. It's a walk with God. It's a relationship with him every day, never cease praying, always giving thanks. You know, it's, it's a continuous moment by moment relationships. So in the equipping, make sure that they understand that this isn't just, I expect your attendance performance-based relationship, you know, like, oh yeah, yeah. Your demonstration of obedience is making sure to be here at such and such time, serving in such and such department, doing such and such things. And then, then you'll be a good Christian. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. And the, that is, is a, that is a false teaching. And if that, that is what your church is operating in, it needs to be done away with. That's not how we get people to be in right relationship in the fullness of God who fills all in all um, in these times. And we've got to get away from that. And it's something that is running rampant in the church and it needs to, it needs to be knocked off. This isn't, there's nothing that we could do to deserve it. And there's nothing that we can do to earn it. And the works are just, they are a fruit they are a fruit that happens as a result of the faith and that hope that is that is in his calling and that understanding of right relationship with God in in walking that out. We are reconciled back to him and we are being still and knowing he is God. If you continuously push people to work and they get to the burnout stage, then you're not giving them that understanding of, hey, Come, let us reason together about these things, as God says. You're not giving them the space to be still and know that he is God. You know, it's like, oh, Father, I did this in your name and I did that in your name. Oh, I know you, God. I did this, that and the other. And God turns around and tells your disciples, your church congregation, I did not know you because you. You, as the teacher, did not equip them and train them properly in, in that understanding that it's about God and his love for them, not works. Ooh. Okay, moving on. So verse 12 says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful putting me into service even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world 
to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to pause right there real quick and take a brief break here for a moment, if you'll allow me, and I'll be right back with you guys. Your words have power. I'm Sherry Jones, your Speak Life Coach, and I welcome you to join me for the Sherry Speak Life Podcast, where I share life lessons that demonstrate the power of our words, and I leverage that power in every area of our lives. You can join the conversation on your favorite podcast platform, or you can join me live at Sherry Speaks Life on Facebook and YouTube. Are you ready to speak life? Let's get started. Do you ever feel stuck in life, whether it's in your faith, your family, your fitness, your finances, or just your outlook on future possibility? Then check out the show Beyond the Rut. We're a podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of the rut and into a life worth living. So check us out at beyondtherut.com. You can also listen to us on all your major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Until we connect again... Go live life beyond the rut. Take care. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for that brief break. I had time to get me a drink real quick and turn around and make sure the airflow is coming in because I'm getting wound up a little bit. Um, but these things have to be said. And I just checked, had an opportunity to check the comments. Um, I've got Tabitha Strother and Tedra coming in and Dolores and and Dom and DZ, thank you so much, you guys, for coming in on the live broadcast and your comments. I appreciate you. And yes, we definitely have to show love indeed. And I'm doing my best to keep this a sound message, DZ. <laughs> so glory to God, though. Um, this is is an awesome pivot here. You know, he's already admonished, you know, Timothy to stay in alignment keep them in alignment. And now, as I just read here, he is, he is turning his attention to give honor and glory to God. Not only that, but he is giving a demonstration to Timothy. So I don't know how often that you've done this, but when you're discipling someone, when you're mentoring someone, do you show an example of what it looks like to operate in humility and submit yourself because that is what Paul is doing right here. He first gives honor and recognition and demonstrates what it looks like to give thanks to God. And he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me. Immediate acknowledgement, right? It's not anything I do. It's not in anything that I say, but it's Christ in me, who gives me the strength that I, that I even have, that you see in operation, Timothy. You know, that's what he's saying here. Um, and he says, because he considered me faithful. How can, how can God, how can Jesus Christ, how can Holy Spirit consider you faithful if you're not in that communion with him? And how can he consider your church congregation 
or your listening audience faithful if you don't equip them with that to demonstrate what that looks like you know how to, how how do we translate that that is a that is that should be an intentional meditation with holy spirit in communion with god the father to teach us what that looks like so that we can teach others and then equip them on top of everything else to teach others beyond it's not just about you and it, as a teacher as a pastor as a leader if you can't get beyond yourself just like it i'll turn it inward to me just so that it's not so abrasive in this moment but if i can't get beyond myself and i'm all about just my circle i'm all about just building up the kingdom of april and i'm not concerned about expanding the kingdom of God's territory across this world. And I'm not concerned with sharing the gospel as far as I can figure out how to do. And I'm not equipping and training up and building up those God has entrusted me with to do that same thing that I'm doing. Then I have not done what I am to do. I am not even considering myself faithful and what God has entrusted me with. And you know what? I mean, that's putting it harshly, but that's the way it is. If my congregation only amounts to the same people that I have been um, been with for the last 10 years, I'll put this hypothetical out there, and, and that's it. And my congregation is not going out and sharing the gospel with others and equipping them and building up relationships with the people that they have shared the gospel with. And they're not investing their time in other people. They're not demonstrating the love of God with others. You know, they're not building others up beyond me. Then I, I'm not doing my job. I'm not. I shouldn't be in this position if I can't handle the responsibility of discipling the body. That is my responsibility. That That's, um, again, turning it inward to me. And so if I'm not training them in the way that sh they should go, and then I'm not equipping them with the tools necessary to train others, then I have failed them in the job that I was entrusted with, in the position I was placed in by God Almighty. And so how do we do that, though? How do we maintain that that in our congregation? We have we have not because we ask not, you know, like if we are so prideful and so separated and so segregated from one another that we can't have those conversations with other churches, with other pastors, with other denominations and in and. Um, and and that's what we choose. You know, we'll have to answer for that, but we've got to get past that. You know, pride is a tricky, tricky thing. And it's a slippery slope. Once you let it in, I mean, it just, it's sneaky. So it requires us to have a self-evaluation, come to Jesus meeting probably once a week to ensure that we are surrendering, submitting and allowing him to minister to our hearts and anything that we don't even know that we're operating in. It's a Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God. You know, if there's any hurtful way in me, bring it to light. You said that you said that nothing that is hidden in the darkness can remain hidden, that your light will expose it. Expose me, God, as a leader of a congregation, as a leader of a church. Expose me. 
if there is something in me that I don't even know about, that I am oblivious to, that I have no knowledge of, Lord, I want that knowledge. If there is something that is not of you operating in me right now, I don't want it. Show it to me so I can unroot it and and be there with me to help me unroot it in fullness because I want to throw that thing in the fire. It's like shape. It needs to be burnt up because it doesn't belong here. This is this is holy ground. This is meant to be holy and blameless ground. This is a holy temple completely submitted to worshiping God in fullness. And I don't want it anymore. That is your responsibility as a leader of a church, as a leader of a group, as a leader in the body of Christ. If you are in any leadership capacity whatsoever and you are responsible for people, that is your responsibility to submit to the Lord like Paul is demonstrating right here. And he said that he was considered faithful, that God put him into service. Well, if God put you into service, you better make sure you're walking in that alignment and you're doing the fullness of the service to the body that you were supposed to be doing in full alignment, teaching them how to abide in God so that he abides in them. And so even though, you know, Paul was saying here, this is that humility, that submission that that I am like the least of these. I am the worst of these. You know, it's it's not. It's not, oh, I'm all, all almightier than thou, oh, holier than thou. It's nothing to do with self-righteousness. There's nothing in this statement that has anything to do with pride. If anything, it is humility and humiliating the statements that he is making. He is singeing any last ounce of flesh, even, even if it was being entertained at all whatsoever. He wrote these words. And he says, I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. When's the last time that you stood up in front of your body of, of believers that you're entrusted with and said that you were ignorant? And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Again, pointing it back to, I was shown mercy because of my ignorance and unbelief. I was operating in unbelief. I was blaspheming God. I was a violent aggressor. When's the last time that you came clean and instead of you know, the example, how are they supposed to learn humility? How are they supposed to learn repentance? How are they supposed to learn sincerity of faith if you are acting like you're doing everything right? And it goes on and it says, you know, obviously it's pointing about, it's talking about the mercy. If it weren't for God, but God. When's the last time that you've shared your but God testimony. You know, it says that that they overcame them or him, the enemy, Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the words of your testimony, right? So when's the last time that you shared your testimony with those that you are entrusted with to disciple, to mentor, to build up, to equip, to train? You know, do they know your testimony or do they only know you as pastor, you know, I don't know, <laughs> pastor so-and-so, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, 
I don't know, whatever your role is that you have a title of, is that all they know you by? When have you been vulnerable and transparent with them last? If that's not on an often basis, that needs to be corrected. Paul was constantly transparent, not only with the body as a whole when he was speaking to them directly, but also to his direct disciples that he was responsible for. And that that in and of itself, like, have you apologized lately for something that you were out of alignment for? Like you were, you operated in pride. You snapped at your, your second in command, your associate pastor, your brother or sister that helps lead a group, small group that you do. You know what you snapped at him because you were short tempered and all you said was sorry. And you, you did it again the next week because of circumstances that loaded you down or whatever. And that was your excuse. And then you justified again and you said, sorry, you know, and that is something that you've done on a consistent, regular basis. And yet you've not humbled yourself and actually repented and asked their forgiveness sincerely. Does it trouble your heart when you lose your patience and you operate in the flesh toward people that you're entrusted with? Does it trouble your heart? If it doesn't trouble your heart and you're okay with operating in that, then there is a coldness there and you have grown cold in a certain area and repentance is required. If not, you're literally being, you are being, you are in operation right now. If that is you, you are being a stumbling block for everyone in your environment right now. You just are. And yes, that's hard to hear, but you cannot continue to operate like that. That is not God honoring and is not honoring others. That is not loving God and is not loving others when you do that. If you yield to the flesh, then you hurt others. And that causes hurt across. It's a ripple effect. It, it causes it all the way across. And then people fall away from the church. They fall away from, you know, the faith because you chose to stay in that operation of fleshly behavior and sin. You were sinning against your brothers and sisters when you become a stumbling block for them and hurt them and cause them to fall away. If you do anything that causes them to question the love of God in operation through his children, then you are in the wrong. So 18 goes on and it talks to Timothy about fighting the good fight. Now, we've already you've already seen all of these things, right? And it talks about all of this being this is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. Why did Christ Jesus come into the world? He came into the world to save sinners. And then he says, "Among whom I am foremost of all." Right? And yet for this reason, I found mercy. So Christ Jesus came into the world and he was the reason that he found mercy. And there was so much mercy bestowed on Paul. He was so bad, so not in alignment with God, he's saying, that the mercy that Jesus demonstrated was so great that he was the foremost of mercy given to him. And it says, 
Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal, eternal life. In Paul. So in application here, in you, are those things being demonstrated? Is Jesus's mercy and grace abounding in, in seen and demonstration? Or are you withholding your testimony? Um, but I, I'm all out of time, you guys. I am going... Um, I obviously got a little bit wound up today, but just know that God loves you and that he is literally waiting to have that conversation with you. And if you don't know who um, Jesus is and who God is, um, you can find the four gospels. I encourage you to start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, I have been directing this particular broadcast to leaders in the church body, um, those who are of the faith. Um, and so if, if they are um, hearing this, I praise God. If they are um, tuning in later, I praise God. I just praise God. So, but God is the creator of all things. And um, he has, has this entire holy Bible here waiting to be read so that you can get to know who he is. And uh, I just encourage you to get into the word and learn about God's love for you. And um and tune in next week for the next chapter of the first Timothy chapter two. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this visit of the Declaring War segment by the RSVP Show. We hope these moments of reflection and stillness for victory in your pursuit of God were a blessing to you. We encourage you to continue to worship, apply, and read the Word of God every single day while today is still today. Stay connected with April at April D. Metzler through social media. New music singles and her debut music album are available to add to your favorite playlist on streaming platforms. And you can get a copy of her book wherever books are sold. Learn more about the great things she is doing to bless God and His people on her website at APrilDMetzler.com. Thank you for joining this visit with us. Always remember, God loves you. Views made on the preceding program are not those of WVTC Radio, iNetworks Communications, or their financial supporters. Winning victory through Christ, WVTC, Allsip Chicago, and iNetworks Communications Station.